Hey, during Holy Week, we have been uh, focusing on the life of Christ and reminding ourselves of the wonderful ways that people Jesus touched the lives of people. And then on, uh, on Good Friday, we, we looked at uh, Christ's death and, and reminding ourselves to unite ourselves in his death because when Jesus went to the cross, he took our sin upon himself. And when he went to the grave, to the tomb, uh, the power of sin was broken. And on this Easter Sunday, uh, we also know that the story is, is it's an astonishing story as the disciples of Christ, even though Jesus told them, they weren't expecting Jesus to be resurrected. And this morning, I just want to invite you to enter into the story, whether this is the first time you've heard it or maybe you've heard it multiple times, but uh, as it's told this morning, allow yourself to be caught up in this amazing day when Christ conquered death. At the break of dawn on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to embalm Jesus with burial spices. When suddenly the earth shook and the ground trembled as an angel came down from heaven right up to where they were standing. And shafts of lightning blazed from him and his garments were as white as snow. And he rolled back the massive stone that guarded Jesus' tomb and sat on it. Now the guards who were there, they were scared half to death. In fact, they were so frightened that they could hardly even move. But the angel, he turned to the women and he said, there is nothing to fear here. I know you were looking for Jesus, the one that they nailed to the cross, but why do you look for him here? In the grave, the cemetery among the dead. He is not here. He has been risen from the dead, just as he had said. Come to the place where he was laid and see for yourself. Now go quickly from this place and tell the disciples that Jesus has been risen from the dead. He is going on to Galilee and that he will meet them there. Now deep in wonder and full of joy, the women wasted no time in leaving the grave. And as they ran to tell the disciples all these things, Jesus himself stopped them in their tracks, simply saying, good morning. And at that, the women fell to their knees, embraced his feet, and began to worship. But Jesus said, you cling to me for dear life. There's nothing to be afraid of. Instead, go and tell my brothers that I'm going on to Galilee. Now that same day, two of Jesus' disciples were walking to the village of Emmaus, about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, almost discouraged as they went over all the things that had been happening. And in the middle of their conversation, Jesus came up alongside them walked with them. They did not recognize who he was. He asked them what they were talking about, and so they retold the story of Jesus at the hands of the religious leaders, and how he'd been crucified on the cross. They said, we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one that would deliver Israel, the one that God had promised. Is now the third day since these things have happened. 
now we hear from some of his followers that the grave has been found empty. Jesus, he smiled, looked to his disciples, and said, so slow-hearted, so thick-headed. Don't you see, these things were supposed to happen. The Messiah was supposed to suffer in order to enter into his full glory. And so, Jesus started from the beginning with the books of Moses and then walking through all the prophets, pointing out every single scripture that referred to him. And when they had gone to the corner of the village in which they were headed, Jesus acted as if he were to continue walking. But the disciples pressed him, saying, Please, join us for supper. And that night at the dinner table, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it into pieces, giving some to his disciples. In that very moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, the disciples realized who they were sitting with. And just like that, he disappeared. Now, they didn't waste a minute. They went to go tell the eleven all they had just seen and heard from Jesus. And when they were sharing these things, Jesus appeared again. But they were frightened, for they were sure that they were seeing a ghost. But Jesus, he continued with them, saying, Do not be upset. And do not let these doubting questions take over. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Search me from head to toe. Reach out and touch me. Surely you know a, a mere ghost does not have bones and muscle like these. And as he said these things, he showed them his scarred hands and feet. But the disciples, they still did not believe was just too much, too good to be true. So Jesus appeared again to the disciples along the Sea of Galilee. They were in their fishing boats at its shore, and as Jesus stood on the shore, he appeared to them. They did not recognize him. He called out, good morning, have you caught anything for breakfast? To which they replied, no. And so he said, throw the net one more time over the right side of the boat and see what happens. They did. They were astonished, for the nets were so heavy they weren't strong enough to pull them out of the water. For now they were full of fish. And as fish flopped and flailed all around inside the boat, one of them said, This is the master. And Peter grabbed up his garments, hopped over the side of the boat, and swam to shore for Jesus. And when the rest of the disciples got there, Jesus had a fire prepared for them. Sitting around the fire, Jesus said, Breakfast is served. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples alive since being raised from the dead. So the disciples went on to Galilee, to the mount where Jesus had set for their reunion. And when he got there, they fell to their knees and worshipped him. Jesus, 
undeterred, went straight ahead of them and gave them his charge, saying, God has commanded me and authorized me to give you this commission, to go out and train all who you meet far and near in this walk of life, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in all the things that I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this, day after day after day. From this day, right up until the end of the age. The disciples, they asked him, Master, will you restore the kingdom of Israel now? Is now the time? And Jesus said, you don't get to know the time. But what you will get is the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. These, these were the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. And they watched as he was taken up into the heavens disappeared into the clouds. And they just stood there, staring blankly into the empty sky. And they hardly even noticed as two men in white robes appeared right behind them, saying, why do you just stand there, staring into the empty sky? You've been given your commission. This Jesus that you just saw raised into heaven again, most certainly and mysteriously. My, uh, my dad taught me this nursery rhyme when I was a kid. I uh, went like this. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men had scrambled eggs for breakfast again. <laughs> I mean, what else do you do when a big fat egg goes splat, right? Uh, my dad had a way of twisting uh, words to songs and nursery rhymes, things like that. We all know that that nursery rhyme goes, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. And uh, when something like that breaks, like an egg, you, you can't put it back together. And we have uh, the common plight of Humpty. Uh, we have experienced a fall uh, we have uh, fallen in our lives, have, have come to this place uh, outside of Christ where they're broken. And, and while we may turn to all these different places and people and, and look to have our lives restored, we find that all the king's men and all the king's horses c- can't put us back together again because we, as humanity, suffer from this Humpty Dumpty kind of syndrome uh, the Bible calls sin. And, you know, people go through life, and some people know know full well their faults, their failures. They carry the guilt. They carry the shame. And they know know this full well that there's, uh, there's 
uh, there's a shattered life that they're, that they're carrying. Uh, there's brokenness that they're walking in. And there's others who recognize their brokenness. They know their mistakes. They know their, uh, their failures. And, and yet what they'll try and do is hide them. Uh, hide them uh, by withdrawing or maybe hide them by pointing out how, how awful someone else's life might be. In playing sort of the comparison game where I'm not quite as bad as that person, so I must not be broken, but they are. And still yet there are, there are others who have no clue. They're blind to the fact that their life is a life of brokenness. And, uh, and, but if you look at our world, it's pretty easy to see the brokenness, isn't it? I mean, it's magnified. You, you see wars, you hear about economic catastrophes, you see poverty, you hear about horrible things like school shootings and, and things like that. And, and sometimes it can, it can almost dull you to the brokenness in our world. It's so big and it's out there and, uh, and we forget that Really, while that is a big picture, the microcosm of brokenness is us, you and me. We are a broken people. Uh, in England, many years ago, an editor of a newspaper uh, wrote this, uh, this editorial, and he posed a question to those who read the paper and uh, asked them to respond. Uh, the question he posed was this, what is wrong with the world? inviting readers to send their responses in. The responses came back. One man by the name of G.K. Chesterton wrote his letter responding to the editor. He wrote, Dear Sir, in response to your question, what is wrong with the world, I am. And it's until we recognize the fact that each one of us suffers from this Humpty Dumpty syndrome where we have fallen and we are broken until we come to that recognition a day like today, Easter doesn't make sense. Because Easter is God's response to our brokenness. Easter is God's response to, a, to our shattered lives because the scriptures tell us very clearly that since the beginning, man has, has lived a life of brokenness. We were in perfect communion. Adam and Eve were in, in perfect friendship with God, but they, they sinned. They, they, they committed acts that were acts of rebellion against God. And it really wasn't necessarily the act. It's the heart behind the act. Because it's there where our true motive is revealed. It's there where we say to God, God, I want to do it my way. God, I, I know what's best. And to its fullest extent, God, I don't want anything to do with you. And this sin, this fall has broken our relationship with God. Which is why when it comes to Holy Week, we, we enter in and remind ourselves of all that God has done. That God, seeing humanity's brokenness, would send his son Jesus, who came and lived an unbroken life. He lived a sinless life. He did not fall. And the wages of our sin, scriptures tell us, is death. Physical death, spiritual death. Jesus lives a sinless life, so, so death has no claim to him, yet Jesus lays down his life and goes to the cross. Why? He goes to the cross so that every broken and shattered life, every man, every woman, every boy and girl, could have their sin penalty, the, the consequences for their fallenness, fall on him at the cross. 
He took our sin upon himself, and he died there. And his body was placed in a tomb. And the scriptures tell us there that in the tomb, this is where the power of sin was broken. Because on the third day, Christ walked out of the tomb and death was defeated. Which is like a giant exclamation point on this truth that not only can you have the muck of your life, the shame and the guilt, all the brokenness uh, forgiven and you can be put back together, but the guarantee is that as Christ walked out of the tomb, you and I can walk in newness of life. You see, it's not like, like we, we have to wait someday to be put back together again. We can have it today. When Christ forgives you, he starts putting the pieces, back of your, pieces of your life back together again. You are made whole. And one day, one day, God will give you, the Father will give you a resurrected body, just like he gave his son Jesus. You're not going to be given a harp and, and set on some cloud somewhere. That would be hell, right? You're going to be given a, a new resurrected body. Tangible. Just like Jesus invited his disciples to touch him. It's a, it's a new resurrected body, and you will continue to live with him forever and ever and ever. He is the God who looks at your brokenness, my brokenness, sends his son so that we might be put back together again. The Bible puts it this way. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. All things become new. Years ago, uh, my wife Trina and I were invited to uh, speak at a church in uh, Berlin, Germany, and while we were there, we had a chance to see some of the sites in, in that historic city, and we had a chance to visit a cathedral. Uh, in its day, it was a magnificent site, uh, a giant spire and belfry and stained glass and art, and it was just a beautiful cathedral. But during World War II, uh, as you know, much of Berlin was reduced to rubble, and this church was impacted as, as well. It was, it was bombed, and what's left today, as you can see on the picture behind me here, what's left today is this, this spire and this belfry that, that, that show the scars of the war, and most of the church was damaged. In the mid-1950s, uh, the citizens of Berlin decided that they wanted to rebuild this cathedral, um, but not rebuild it to its original form, but to, uh, to, to remind themselves not only of the, the distant past, but the near past where, uh, where Germany uh, made some, some significant mistakes. And so what they did is, is they took all the rock rubble and got rid of that, but they, they gathered up all the stained glass from these magnificent pieces of art of, of, of this, these uh, stained glass uh, windows in that original cathedral. They gathered all the shards of glass, all the fragments of glass, and they collected them in a pile, and they began to piece them together, much like you and I would piece together a jigsaw puzzle, taking shards and shards, another shard here, and putting them together, and, and, and creating these individual panes of glass. And you can see in this picture behind me of those, those tiny pieces all being put together and formed. And then you stand and you walk into this worship center. This is what you see. This, this worship center that's surrounded in brokenness 
that's been put back together. And when the light pours through that glass, the sanctuary glows. This is what God does. He takes the ugliness of our lives. He takes the distortions of our lives. He takes those fragmented shards, those those things of our lives that have been obliterated by some horrible circumstances. And with a touch, with a word of forgiveness, what all the king's horses and all the king's men could not do, God does by sending his son, and he puts us back together again. If you're here today, and this is an Easter, like many Easter's where you've come, you've celebrated this great truth. It's, this is why we love Easter. It's why we, we love being reminded that, that death has been defeated, that God made us whole. But maybe you're here today because you were curious and you, you came off the street or you, you saw an ad in the paper or someone invited you. Maybe grandma and grandpa drug you in here and you're doing your duty to be here at church. But could it be that God knew you'd be here? And he wants you to know all the guilt, all the shame, all the brokenness can be healed. He can put you back together again. He can make you whole. One of the things that we do here at Salem Alliance is at the end of our services, we offer prayer for people. Prayer for people who are in circumstances that are pretty difficult, maybe an illness or unemployment or financial distress, whatever it would be. After service, we have people who, who pray for those matters. We pray for each other. We also make the opportunity available for people who, who want to begin a new relationship with God. And today at the cross over here after the service, like we do every week, there will be people who would love to pray with you because maybe you're here today and you know all too well your brokenness. And the offer to you today is that God has sent his son who went to the cross and died. He was placed in the tomb, but death could not hold him. And death was defeated. And this gift of wholeness can be yours today. He can take the brokenness and the ugliness of our life and make something beautiful out of it.